Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Suck it! Welcome to a brand new episode of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond. Joined pretty much as always by Jason Brooks, episode 133 of this podcast. Uh, we're trying to do possibly once a month do a live show, depending on how things go. So all those people listening to us live on Blog Talk Radio... Welcome. Uh, this week we'll be talking about week two of the WWE roster splits, NXT as they get closer to the Barclays Center show, or NXT Brooklyn to be more precise. Talking about uh, the classic build for SummerSlam and uh, whatever else that goes on our mind for the week. But uh, Jason, week two of the uh, the brand split, what do you think? Was Raw the, still the better show or did SmackDown... Uh, do a little bit more this week to actually maybe go and say SmackDown is on the same level or maybe better this week? I definitely think SmackDown is on the same level, but I did think they had a good show. Um, I just think the roster and the talent overall on Raw are better, and I think that'll be proven out as it has, I feel like, the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I do think SmackDown improved, as I uh, predicted last week they would. I think the show just needs to find its rhythm and its pace and it'll be fine. Um, and we'll talk more about the Ziggler thing, but I like some of the things that they did this week. I, I actually really enjoyed SmackDown. Uh, I'm actually, I'm also going to be the minority in this one, but I actually thought SmackDown was the better show. Last week, Raw was spectacular. For those who listened, both know that we both really enjoyed it. We thought SmackDown was okay, but it was a flawed program. But SmackDown this week felt like a show that was must-watch. And Raw, in my opinion, felt like it, it only took one week, but it, it felt like a three-hour show. And one of the yeah. things uh, over and over again is that SmackDown could be good because it's two hours, and Raw is going to drag. And I really felt Raw dragged a lot at points. And I really, I really enjoyed that opening segment with Ziggler and Ambrose, and I really liked the AJ. And segment. I thought those might have been yeah. two of the best segments of the week. I think, this is what I think. I don't know if it's a totally fair comparison to compare a three-hour show and a two-hour show. Um, a three-hour show was too long. We've talked about it a million times. And we knew Raw was such a heavy show last week, and they put so much into that show. There's no, they can't have a show like that in recording. They can't. And I thought this show was pretty good. I loved uh, the opening segment with Sasha, Charlotte, and Jericho, um, and Enzo. I thought that was good. I liked the Seth and uh, Finn, you know, them talking. I really enjoyed the end with Orton coming in. So I really, I enjoyed Raw. Uh, but you're right, it's three hours, so it's just going to be longer. I mean, if we compare the two every week, and SmackDown is pretty good, SmackDown's always going to win, because Raw is too long. So I, I mean, I, I know we, we did we compared it last week and we're comparing it this week, but I think if we do this every week, SmackDown's going to win a lot of weeks just because three hours is way too long of a show and they're going to have this filler. Now, the one thing you could say is where these cruiserweights come in, that may spice things up a little bit, but Corey, three hours is still three hours. Oh, great. Absolutely. And I, and I guess it's, and, I, and as I just told you right before we went on the air, I watched all these pro. I watched all. I basically watched seven hours of WWE programming within, you know, less than a two-day period, and and I didn't watch it back to back. So it's not like all of a sudden I watched one and then I was like, oh god, I'm so tired, so I was affected watching the other. But I really felt, pacing-wise, SmackDown kind of got to where they should be pretty fast. You know, I mean, I thought the graphic packages. Were good. It reminded me back in the day with, you know, the Mattitude facts, you know, with Matt Hardy version 1.0 or 2.0, I'm sorry. I thought that a lot of things that they struggled with last week, they were able to correct, and I felt it made it for a better show. And I just felt that there was a lot of stuff on Raw that kind of felt like we were right back to the way it was prior to the trip. Maybe that's unfair. I think that's unfair. I, I absolutely think it's unfair. The show's three hours. We can't have Sasha Banks winning the women's title every week. We can't have Finn Balor making his debut. I just, I just don't think it's a fair comparison. Um, was Raw a good show? Yes. 
Was it last week? No, and it won't be. And I told you this last week. The Raw that we saw last week is the best Raw that I think I've seen in maybe years, and it might be the best Raw we get in maybe years. It just, it, 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 that's just kind of the way that it worked out. And I also, you know, I understand we're kind of prisoner of the moment, that that's what we do, that's our society a little bit. SmackDown is going to be okay. Raw is going to be okay. But every now and then we're going to get these Raws that are amazing. And SmackDown, we haven't gotten there yet. But I do think with some of the additions that they may have coming in, if they get some of the NXT guys, you know, we may see them eventually become a, a stronger brand. And I thought last week was a good show. But I, I'm not going crazy. I'm not, you know, I'm not going crazy. Smack that was a solid show. It was a good show. Um, I'll still take Raw over I can see your point there with uh, Raw still maybe being a better show because of the talent that's on there and everything else. But I don't know. I felt there was more things that I liked on SmackDown this week than I liked on Raw. I mean, I agree that, you know, there, the, the Randy Orton stuff was and Brock was good. Uh, I think, I don't know if I would totally agree with you that that first 21-minute talking segment between... Uh, oh, I got a kick out of that. I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was, you know what it reminded me of? It, it, it was a little attitude error-ish. I mean, this is the thing, right? We talk about the long talking segments, and I know guys like Jason Powell talked about this or whatever. This is what we used to get. The, the Raws from the Attitude Era that we loved so much, we would get these long talking segments. But if they're funny and entertaining, I don't care. And Jericho was awesome. He was obviously the highlight of that. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a very entertaining, fun segment. And sometimes that's okay. It, like, it can be, things can be fun and entertaining, and I, I thought that was good. Uh, I don't know if I thought it was that fun or entertaining after a while, but uh, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Um, Fair enough. But you know what? There was, like I said, I thought the stuff with the New Day and Gallows and Anderson helped progress the story, so I like that. But at the same point, you know what? I thought, I thought what they, the stuff that they did was, I thought was kind of creative and good because you know you have these women on SmackDown who really can't work or not on the level, and you're gonna have to do more of the spectacular aspect of making like, an Eva Marie or a Carmella. People want to see, and I think they really, with smoke and mirrors, I think they did a good job of keeping the anticipation of these people's debuts without actually having to show that they may not really be ready to be on the main roster. I mean, Corey, the women's division is so uneven. You've got Becky and Natalia, and then, ay ay ay, and uh, Naomi I like too, but man, it's really uneven with that Eva Marie, and I like Carmella, she's improved, but she needs a lot of work too. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that women's division. Um, but but to say I didn't like SmackDown is not accurate. I, I enjoyed SmackDown. I, mean, I know we're going to talk more about the Ziggler thing, but I thought SmackDown was definitely a very solid show. Much better than the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, but like I said, I think the two best things of the week, maybe you'll disagree, but I think the two best things were on SmackDown. Coming with Zig, the Ziggler-Ambrose uh, promo at the beginning. Excuse me, and uh, the Cena AJ uh, segment. I thought those two were the best segments of the week. Would you? You think there was something better than that? And I think if if, if you agree with me, I think if the two best segments were on one show, I think that you, there's a good chance you could say that was the better show. I really like the Orton Lesnar stuff on Raw, so I, I thought that was I thought that was really good. Um, and I really like how Vin, uh, Stephanie and Mick sold it. And they had security come out. I thought it was a surprise. It was something different. And I know we're already starting the quote-unquote invasion angles. But it's a little different because they're matched up against each other, you know, on on uh, SummerSlam. And we'll probably see that at WrestleMania time, too. But, uh, no, I thought it was um, – I liked that segment a lot. That was probably, you know, that. And, and that was Warner, too. And then definitely the Ambrose Ziggler one I thought was really, really good. And I know some people had a problem with Ziggler saying that, you know, being a little bit too insider or whatever. But I really thought um, 
him saying he's been held back or he hasn't gotten a chance, I think that makes sense because that's what we know as an audience. Um, and I, I like where they went with that. Um, I, you know, and I know Corey people don't like the fact that the baby face, you know, took, you know, put his shot on the line. But I liked it only from the standpoint of Ziggler having to prove something to himself because he's lost a lot, having to prove something to the fans who've seen him lose, and in a way, quote-unquote, having to prove something to the back, to the office. So I liked that he did the, I need to have something to prove. And the show kind of became about Dolph Ziggler's redemption story. Like, it's what I said to you last week. He won a match, and now he's a number one contender. It doesn't make any sense. But they really made that show about Dolph Ziggler's redemption, and I thought they did a fantastic job. I'm not going to disagree on that, but let me, before I give you my thoughts on it, let me ask you the simple question. Do you, do you believe any more this week than you did last week that Ziggler has any chance at all in winning at SummerSlam? No, um... I don't. I, I, I don't. I, I don't think he has any more of a chance of winning. But that being said, we see that all the time, right? I mean, we see guys who we don't think are going to win the match, and they don't win the match. So I, that doesn't bother me that much. I want to see how they play it out, if they keep Ziggler strong, if they make him some type of you know contender, consistent contender for the title. Um, I do think eventually we see AJ with the title. I think he's the first guy who wins the title after Dean Ambrose. But um, if Ziggler puts on a good performance and is now seen as a main event guy on SmackDown, that'll be fine. But do I expect him to win the match? No way. But I don't expect Finn to win the match on against Rollins either. So That's interesting. I mean, we'll get into Finn and, uh, and Rollins in a little while, but I, I really enjoyed the segment. I thought that you saw a lot of heart and intensity from Ziggler that you don't usually get. Absolutely. I think that going a little inside baseball and saying, I came in as a male cheerleader, you came in with the shield, I thought was a nice touch. I do think, though, his promo was a little bit too much like a Samoa Joe promo where it was a screaming type promo, which I, I think for some guys it works more than others. I don't know if for... His body type and what his persona is. I don't know if the yelling promo really is the way to always go, but I mean, it did show emotion. It did go and have that flair of saying, this means something to me. Yeah. But I think the, the bigger thing in this promo was Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose, and I'll be the first one to say, and maybe every week I'm going to be that Fairweather fan who goes back and forth and one week says, he's a bona fide guy who should be champion. He's a transitional guy. He's this, he's that. But you know what? We didn't get the joking Dean Ambrose. We didn't get the I'm the lunatic Dean Ambrose. You got the the badass, confident Dean Ambrose who said, I'm the guy who you guys should care about. This is this is me being Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, whoever you want to say he was in the past, who people cared about and got over. And he really felt like a guy. He didn't feel like just another semi-main guy, he really felt like he deserved to be in his spot. Maybe you totally disagree with me, but I felt when, same thing with like a John Cena where he doesn't do the ridiculous jokes every three seconds, and he, he's actually into it, and he feels like, you know, this is important, it works. And I think that worked for Dean Ambrose. I, I think with Ambrose, what he has to do, um, <laughs> he has to make the match, like he can joke a little bit. Like he had a segment with Renee um, later on the show where he was talking about Renee. Stand when, when I'm, I want to stand. Let's stand. And she stands. He's like, well, let's sit. Well, I'm over this. And he leaves. That's okay. Him being funny with like the announcers and stuff like that is okay. I think, but when he's in there with a, another wrestler, I think he needs to be serious. And I, I think he really came off as serious. Um, kind of like he did a couple weeks ago with Seth, um, when he was pretty serious with Seth, and I thought they had a really, really good back and forth. Same thing here, and I and I know that you get annoyed with the joking, but I do think we've seen since Ambrose has been champion, when he is serious, he's serious. So 
I think the joking is just going to be kind of a part of who he is, and that's going to be a little bit of his personality, a little bit of his flair, which I like. But I do think he, you know, with the Brock Lesnar match at, at WrestleMania, you know, with those promos he cut where he's talking about being from the mean streets of Cincinnati, which, I mean, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but whatever. They were still good promos. And same thing, we, we saw that. So I think when it comes to him, wrestler on wrestler, for the most part, he's taking himself pretty seriously. And um, I think we're going to continue to see that as he's the headliner on SmackDown. I mean, a prime example, and we'll move on this. I don't want to keep too much on this, but Dean Ambrose versus Jericho, I didn't feel Dean Ambrose was a main event level guy. Dean Ambrose on versus Rollins. But, but that wasn't a great feud. I mean, the feud itself wasn't great. It wasn't a great setup. That match was terrible. I, I didn't. I didn't think the feud set him. I don't think the feud set him up well. And I think that happens. You know what I mean? I just don't think it was a. I don't think it was a, a, a good feud for him. I, I'm not saying no, but I mean, I felt like he came off as a main main event level guy on SmackDown, and when he does that, I think that he's by he's feasible as being a world champion or head of a brand. When he's acting the way that he does with, you know, all the goofy stuff, I don't feel like he's a... He doesn't come off as a main main event level guy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. I mean, whatever, right? We can't, <coughs> everyone can't be, you know, robotic serious all the time. Guys have to show their personality. I don't have any problem with that. But there's a difference. I don't want a... What John Cena used to do, it really has stopped doing. I, I, we used to complain about this on this very podcast, but he really hasn't done it in a long time. Where what he would do is he would just kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to say bury the guys, but he'd be really joking with the guys, and he would just be kind of, you know, he wouldn't make them feel like they were on his level, which I think was a big issue, because um, he joke, he'd make jokes about them or whatever, but I think he's gotten a lot better with that, and I think Ambrose has done the same thing. Hey, like I said, it's it's, it's a it's a process, and we'll see how it goes week by week. So. Let's let's hope that we continue to see growth. Um, I also liked uh, on SmackDown, like I said, the AJ segment with John Cena. I thought AJ, I thought the AJ stuff worked. I mean, I thought it started off a little bit rough, but I think by the time little, that segment was over, it was it a little rough. I don't know. Like I said, I thought by the end, I thought it it got to where it wanted to go, and I think it really worked. It took a while, you know. I, I think with AJ. You know, John Cena does that John Cena promo all the time. Blah, blah, he loves the company, he's never going to leave, whatever, whatever. And, um, and he, you know, and he did make a dig at AJ. And I don't know if you, if you heard the Daniel Bryan stuff on that show after, the Talking Smack show. But he kind of, you know, uh, was pretty honest about Cena and talking about he didn't like the way Cena talked to AJ in terms of, Saying that AJ could just would just leave if it didn't work out for him, um, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if they're going to turn that into something, but I, I am enjoying these kind of after-show segments um, and how they're kind of then relating their after-show segments back to the show. So I kind of like that because um, then it's giving meaning to those those after-show segments, telling people, "Hey, you've got to watch this because it may affect what what happens on the show." I thought AJ was fine. I thought he was long-winded. It took him forever to make his point. Um, I, I guess my problem with AJ is I think the matches with Cena have been good. But I compared the feud that he had with Owens and their back and forth. And it was Cena's best feud probably since CM Punk. And it's just hard to gather all this again for AJ when he just does not have the ability on the mic uh and, and that heel persona that, that Kevin Owens does. So, AJ's been fine, but I thought that promo was pretty long-winded. I thought Cena really showed him up, and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. You know what I think coming out of that, which really is interesting, I I love AJ. I've been a fan of AJ since TNA, or even, you know, you, you were a fan of him even earlier, before he was in WCW. But it really... He need what you saw with the club. I think he needs guys to lead. You know, I think he needs. I, I think he needs those sidekicks, and 
I think I really think that the group was separated way too fast, and I think we saw that on that promo. Maybe I just don't think he's a great heel. I mean, I I think I just don't think he's a great heel. I just don't. Um, I haven't felt that way. I think he was maybe a heel in TNA once. I just I don't think he's a good heel. I just don't think so. He's not great on the mic, and he's just not a great heel. Um, I think that's really the main issue that I have, whether he has the club with him or, or whomever. He's just not a great heel, which is okay. Because, um, I mean, he's fantastic in the ring, just not a great heel. Um, whether he has a Gallows and Anderson or whomever. Uh, I see what you're saying there. So let's move on to the big debut of the week. Uh, World's Greatest Tag Team Part 2, uh, American Alpha. What did you think of their debut on... On SmackDown this week, was it a blowaway thing where people who've never seen them before are going to be like, "Oh my God!" Or what was your thoughts on them first time around? Thought it was perfect. Thought it was everything they needed to do. Made them look good. Um, wasn't a long match. Showcase Jordan. Showcase Gable. I thought it was perfect. Um, very well, kind of written out match for what they need them to be. So yeah, I thought it was good. I would agree. I, I mean, I think that the Vaude Villains played their role fine. I thought, I thought they were actually even besides some audio problems. I thought they really came off well on Talking Smack afterwards. So I thought that was good. I think the big thing that came out of that was we're going to have tag team titles exclusive to SmackDown, which I'd like to get into, you know, for a second here. But um, do you think we see them on SummerSlam, or do you think we wait for their big first match? to be at the SmackDown pay-per-view in September? I suspect we'll see them on SummerSlam um, in some way, shape, or form just to get them out there on the undercard or the pre-show. Um, I expect to see them out there, maybe against, you know, maybe against like the Vaude Villains again, maybe another showcase match. Um, I don't expect anything too crazy. Um, they probably won't do the tag team titles thing until the SmackDown only pay-per-view, I would suspect. So now that we do know for sure that there are going to be secondary titles on both these shows, do you think, are you kind of dreading the idea of having to have, you know, basically now six or seven titles? Yeah, I don't love it. I'll be honest with you. I don't love it. Um, Because I think the tag team titles, I think both titles, the women's and the, the, um, the tag, there's not that mean... For them to have a women's championship on Raw makes sense exclusive to Raw because of the upper-level talent. But you don't have that on SmackDown. So I think it's going to be hard. Um, and the tag teams, what are there, five tag teams on, on SmackDown? But, you know, when you say that, and then I remember those London Kendrick tag teams, they were ter- terrific. And they may have never gotten that chance if not for... Um, you know, not for them branching out. So, I don't love it. I don't love all these belts. But it also adds something to this Raw-only pay-per-views and the SmackDown-only pay-per-views. So, we'll see. I I don't love it, though. I I do not. I would have liked to at least one of the belts to have been a traveling belt. At least one of them. But maybe you you think it's a lot of traveling for whoever... um, the champion is. That's a lot for them to do. So, you know, but, I mean, that's what they did old school, right? You're the champion. You make the money. You do the travel. So, I don't know. I, it's weird. I mean, I agree with you. I think there should be, you know, the IC and the U.S. and then all the other titles should be able to just be defended on both shows. But if you wanted, if you wanted to go and have one of the secondary titles be for both shows, I would pick the women's title. You know, I mean, I don't think they're doing that. I think we'll have a women's champion, too, on SmackDown. But as we said earlier, the women's division on SmackDown is very shaky, to put it nicely. I would really appreciate if there were two titles there. So, I mean, if they do that, that'd be great. If not, you know, we'll just keep on having 4,000 titles. And I just think it makes things confusing on who really is important when you have two titles and if we're not going to have, you know, unification matches. Yeah, it is what it is. I, I don't love it. 
you don't love it, but this is what they're going with. And, you know, hopefully this highlights some of the, the, the people who we, you know, like, I'd love to see Naomi get the women's title. I think she deserves to get a run. Um, you know, the tag team, I think, you know, the tag team titles, you know, we'll see American Alpha with the titles at some point. So, you know, maybe it'll give a guy, give some of these guys a chance to shine um, in, in, on on their brand. Makes sense. Uh, I was I was thinking about this. I One of the things I really enjoyed on SmackDown, and I'm sure you'll say just whatever, it was just another who cares about segment. But I really, I really enjoyed Heath Slater in this story of not being drafted and the stuff they did on how they brought back Jinder Mahal on Raw. And nobody cared about. Could they have brought back somebody else other than him? Jesus Christ. (laughs) But nobody cared that they brought him back. He's completely enhanced the town. Agreed. But then I was also going to say, you know, the bringing back of Rhino. And then next week on SmackDown, we're going to have Rhino versus Heath Slater. And if you told me that... You know, a couple of weeks ago that Heath Slater was facing Rhino, I would go, who the hell cares? But I think they've done a good job with this Heath Slater character that it's actually, I, I care to see him wrestle next week. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care to see him wrestle next week. But um, I do think, you know, he does, he's a company man. He does what the company needs. That's why he's been there for so long. He is really good on the mic. And, you know, they're giving him a chance. He's out there on Raw and on SmackDown. Um, I do, it's a good undercard segment. Is it like amazing? No, but it's a, it's a fun undercard segment. Wow. This, this, this might be needs to put in the record books. Uh, Corey more positive than Jay for a couple of moments here and there. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm actually interested to see where they go with this. I mean, I, I mean, are you that, are you that interested? Yeah, actually I, I, usually, I would have gone and fast-forward through what they did on Raw with Heath and, and Jinder, and I would have gone and said, okay, who cares about another segment backstage? I mean, I really found it I, I found it something that I, sh- I can care about for a few weeks. I mean, like I've always said, you know, what happens three months now? Will we care one way or another? Most likely not. But for the here and now, I felt the segment worked, and I'm actually interested to see how the, what they do with Heath Slater and how they use him to either bring in other guys and contracts as they continue to do this, or if, you know, this this story ends this week, what they do with them, you know, maybe if they make a more than just an enhancement guy for a little while. I think there's a story here that I think is interesting. All right. I mean, we'll see. Doesn't mean much to me. I think he's doing a nice job, a nice undercard for you. Now, the thing that has become blatantly obvious, the main event for SummerSlam is going to be Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton. It's yes, not going to be, you know, absolutely. universal or world title matches. What do you think about that? I mean, we've always said, you know, world titles, one of the title matches should go on last. But the way they're booking this right now, Brock versus Randy is the most important thing that they're they're putting over. Do you think it should go on last? Do you have a problem with the world title match not going on last? What do you think? It's the biggest attraction. Finn is pretty new. And, you know, they're still making the audience familiar with him. And Dolph Ziggler hasn't been relevant in years. So it makes sense that Orton... And you know what, Corey? It's a good time to have Balor and Dolph challenge. Because Brock and Orton is a big match. And because that's a big match, um, you can have two, you know, if you want to say quote-unquote lesser guys challenge for the world titles because of the fact that they won't be overshadowed. Uh, so to have Brock and Randy Orton main event the show is not that bad. Normally, I'm very anti anything but the world champion being last. But if that does not happen in this case, I'd be okay with it. Do you think that they can actually... Do you, what type of match do you think these guys are going to have? Do you think they're going to have a good enough match to go and make it that we it was the right decision? Or do you think that... Brock is limited on what he can do now. Randy coming off an injury. No, I think what do you think we I mean, we made fun of Orton a million times, but I think this is the best Orton's been in forever, by the way, as well. Um, but I think or- Orton's always been good in the ring, and I think him and Brock will play well off each other. I mean, they've wrestled each other um, when they were coming up together a million times, I'm sure. And, um, I-, I think, you know, they'll both uh, do a very good job in their match at SummerSlam. 
I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that because I, I, I thought Orton looked a little rusty in his match against The Miz. And, you know, Brock isn't, you know, the Brock of when they face each other, you know, 15 years ago, I guess, now in, on the, ma- the matches they had at SmackDown. It is interesting that they've never faced each other on a pay-per-view before. Yeah. That's something that's kind of, you know, kind of cool and different. I mean, so I'm going to be interested to see where they do now. I mean, I thought it was a nice touch having... Brock, you know, doing one of his dates, uh, unexpected dates, you know, showing up on SmackDown. I thought that was cool. Um, I think we're mostly only going to see Brock one more time before the pay-per-view. I think uh, he's not on this week's Raw, but I think he's supposed to be on next week's, I think the 15th, I think it is. Okay. So we'll see where that goes with the story. Do you want to see Randy Orton on Raw promoting this for the next couple of weeks? Or do you want to go and see him on SmackDown promoting there and just the announcers trying to hype up the Brock Lesnar slash maybe have Les, um, Heyman on. I mean, basically what I'm asking yeah. you is, do you want to continue seeing Orin on Raw, or do you want him to start getting more interested in the idea of these guys are show-specific? I like show-specific. Um, you do packages for Brock on Raw, and you have Orton cut promos on SmackDown. Um, you know, but keep that tension with the security, but that, don't have him come out. You know what I mean? Like, this week it would have been cool if Brock wouldn't have come out and it would have come out next week, say. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I kind of like the idea of, oh, is he going to show up? Is he going to show up? We got to pay to see him come up if he should, you know, so I, I kind of like that. Um, so I, I think they should kind of chill with that. Maybe the last week, but next week I would just tease it a bunch, but not give it to the audience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I would keep it more brand specific if you can. Now, something that I think a lot of people have spoken about, and I'd love to get your opinion on this week. What do you think of Roman Reigns going for the U.S. title? Do you think this has the idea of recreating, maybe not the challenge part, the open challenge, but the idea of putting a big star with the U.S. title to, to re-push it back up? Or do you think do you think that Rusev should keep the title for longer? What, what's your thoughts on Roman Reigns? Versus Rusev for not just a one-on-one match, but having the U.S. title as part of this feud. Love it. I love it. I, I like the idea of the U.S. title. Obviously, you know, Reigns, we could say what you want, but he's made a bit of the last two WrestleManias. So him challenging for the title is a bigger deal than Kalisto. I think the fans booed him less than they have in a long time. I think Rusev and him can also have some really good matches. And I like that he's going down and, and kind of, you know, going down, starting a little bit lower and having to work his way back up. I think that's something the fans wanted to see. I think if he would have been challenging for the IC and U.S. title to begin with, the fans would have probably been into him years ago. So um, I like the fact he's challenging for the U.S. title. Some think it's too soon, but, you know, you got to build some matches for SummerSlam. So, and I think that's a feud that will continue. Um, past SummerSlam for sure. And so, yeah, I, I, I like it. And um, I'm very curious to see how they're going to build it, um, the continued reaction to Reigns. Um, I think Rusev's been terrific since he's been, you know, and, and they, he has had a nice run with the U.S. title um, and pretty much has beaten everyone in front of him. So I like the feud. I like the idea of the feud. I like that the U.S. title's involved. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I agree. I mean, I, I think that it's a nice change. I wouldn't even be against the idea of him losing the first match and then winning the title, you know, the first Raw-only, you know, branded show. I think, I, I think Rusev should absolutely win the first match. Because I think Rusev's been on such a roll, it will make him, Rusev, look really, really strong if he wins that first match. And then you make Reigns, who's been struggling, kind of like what they're doing in the G1 with Tanahashi. He's been losing, he's been struggling, he's not been doing well, but now he's starting to fight back. Now he's starting to come back. Now he's dealing with that adversity, you know? That's what we need to see from this guy. Um, We've talked about this in the past, how Vince looks at big guys and looks at booking, and he looks at booking like what he did with Hulk Hogan, where he rarely ever faced any adversity, and he beat everybody put in front of him and Vince has always thought that's what, and this is according to Freddie Prince Jr. And, and MVP and guys like that, that's what Vince thinks it should be. And 
the audience is basically completely rejecting that notion. But I think if Reigns is going to have a chance to, you know, get the fans behind him, a feud like this will really, really help. I, I agree with that. I mean, I I think that they ha- I, they've had good chemistry in the past. They worked together. I not last year, but I think most of the the year before parts of it. You know, when they were starting the um, United the, Nations or whatever they were. Well, the Roman Reigns push. I think they worked together. You know, when he won the Rumble and everything else. I mean, I think that they have good chemistry, so I think that will work together well. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting is what they did this week on NXT. I think NXT was a very good show this week. I think absolutely, was, I agree. I think it's one of the better shows we've seen in a while. I mean, I agree. Yeah, I mean we've had you know shows where we've had the one really good match, but I think as an overall show, I thought they really did well. I mean, I didn't love the idea that. Uh, Bobby Roode's uh, promo, I thought it was good, but I mean, having to work in because his theme music has the word glorious, now he's, his catchphrase is glorious, I mean, I think it was okay, I mean, I think it was... I think it was a little, I think it was a little while, it took a little, it took a while to get to the point, uh, but I think that's his best character, I think him being a heel is the best character. Oh, absolutely, I agree with that, totally. And, you know, so, so, you know, I, 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 so I enjoy him very much being a heel. I, so, yeah, his promo was a little long, but I'm glad he's there. I think he's a very good heel, and I think he'll add a lot to the roster. Now, one thing that's interesting with this is I don't know who he – I mean, I haven't read any spoilers, so I don't know what's if he's going to be on the card for Brooklyn. But is there – the only guy who – there's only two guys who I can really think of that don't have dance partners going into Brooklyn, and I would think you'd want to put him on – that show, you know, and one of them, I don't see them, you know, neither one of these can get a loss right away. Kenta or uh, Kota, um, what's his, um, Hideo Atami. Thank you, I forgot his, his uh, new name. Uh, Atami, which I don't think you put the two of them together because I don't think either one of them can really deal with a loss. And the only other guy who I think really has an, an opening right now is the former La Sombra, you know, I mean, so I don't know if there's really I, I, a. I I guess, t- I mean, Ty Dillinger... Or, or whoever that guy was who beat him? I don't know the, the, I don't know, the red-necky looking guy. I don't know his name. Uh, Whatever his Oren, name is. Something Sumbach, I don't know. Him and Ager. Um, Maybe him. Um, I, I agree. I don't think they put him against... I think they put him against a Ty Dillinger-like opponent on the show. A Rich Swan. Someone like that. I mean, do you think we should see him at, at the uh, yes. at the oh, Brooklyn yeah. show? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. You have a showcase match for him against a Rich Swan, a mid card guy, a Ty Dillinger type. Um, two guys who I really like, by the way. But if you got to put Bobby Root, Bobby Root has the win. He's got to be somebody, and he can't be a complete hammerator. So you put him against a mid card level guy, uh, and you have him beat those, you know, one of those type of guys. Mm-hmm. I, and one thing I really, two things I really liked this week was the interaction with the tag teams. I really think the uh, the revival really have some are really getting better on the mic. I think that uh, Johnny Gargano and Ciampa were really good. Also, surprising, I didn't expect either one of them to actually be that good on the mic on that final segment. So, I think that really worked. And I think the stuff with. Um, Oscar and Bailey really worked well. So I think yes, as an overall I show, know. I thought it was a really... I really like the stuff with Oscar. I like the idea that they're kind of turning Oscar more heel. You know what I mean? Um, but, it, but it's like a subtle change. It's not just, I hate the fans. Ah. It, it's more of a, a, a subtle change. Going back to the Bobby Roode things, I just watched it right before the show. The one issue that I would have, and again, we're doing the show literally Thursday, and the show was yesterday, so you guys might not have a chance to watch it, but I don't think the crowd seemed to be that into what he was doing. They were, they booed a little bit, and then they were kind of more apathetic, so that's something to think about as they move forward, but I thought the Oscar stuff was really, really, really good, and um, I love how they kind of turned her, and then when Bailey like went to help, um, uh, whatever that girl's name, Aaliyah, whatever her name is, right. you thought Oscar might kick her in the head. 
might kick Bailey in the head, but she didn't, you know. So um, I like those subtleties. I think NXT was really, really good this week. And the post-draft NXT might be okay, you know. They just might be all right. Well, we say that, but you know what? I don't think you do the tease of Bailey at Battleground if she's not coming up, most likely right after SummerSlam. So I think. Well, said, well they said it was a one off, and she might come up. I think, the, I think yes. I mean, the women's division's going to suffer big time. But it, it will, but it won't. I think there's some talented women down there, Corey. I really do. Billy what, Kay, Liv Morgan, Garrett. I mean, I think some of the women there are like really, really talented. Now, we don't know anything about them or their personalities or anything, so we're going to have to learn that. But, Corey, I don't think the women down there are too bad. I really don't. Yeah, I hope you're right. I mean, we did get the tease for uh, Ember uh, Ember Moon, who... Who the, who the hell is that, Ember Moon? Cobra Moon? Is, is it Cobra Moon? <laughs> Met Cobra Moon at Comic-Con. Really cool, really cool uh, chick. Hope to have her actually on the podcast uh, sometime soon. But um, Ember Moon was, uh, oh, my God, I forgot her uh, her indie name. But we spoke about her multiple times with um, Sierra Reed. I can't remember her name, but. I'll, I'll, look, I'll look it up. Go ahead. But, you know, she's going to, her debut is going to be at, uh, at Brooklyn. So that should be interesting. And I think the Brooklyn card looks like it could be a really solid card. I think this is going to be a good weekend for the WWE. Oh, it's, a, oh, it's Athena. Yes, Athena. Yes, that's awesome. I did not know that that was her. She is fantastic. Oh, Corey, she's, everything I've heard about her, she's really, really good. That's, you know, Corey, I'll be honest with you. This women, I think they, Bailey can leave and they will be okay. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. And I think, you know what, Corey, I think the women's division in NXT, if Athena is who we think she is and Asuka stays, I think Asuka's going to stay for a bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, some of these other women, Billy Kay improves and, I forget the other dark-haired um, um, wrestler there. If, if you know, she's, if, you know, pretty good. I think the division might, the women's division might be okay. I see what you're saying there. I mean, I, I can't disagree. I mean, I mean, you know, we all have to love, you know, Liv Morgan from New Jersey. What do you do there? Uh, I mean, and she's, listen, <laughs> she's, listen, it is what it is, right? I mean, we said the same thing about uh, Alexa Bliss, and she got a lot better. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. we got to give these young ladies a shot. Well, let's let's hope Eva Marie, you know, isn't got, has gotten better. I don't think I mean, so. No, but. Oh, Corey, that's the other thing, right? Not for nothing. Who who did they lose from the women's side? Nia Jackson, Eva Marie, True. and Carmella. I mean, I like Carmella, but Eva Marie, you know, can't wrestle away over a paper bag, and Nia Jackson's fine. So they didn't really lose anything with the women just yet. They give them barely her one last match. It'll probably be her send off, and. Um, they got to put her on SmackDown, don't they? They can't have her on Raw. I would hope she would go on SmackDown, but I think you've built the idea that, you know, she's friends with Sasha, and, you know, I think you can... I think I could see the reasons why they would put her on Raw, but I really think she needs to be on SmackDown. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the uh, Cruiserweight Classic, I thought... It was an. I think it was a much better show than the week before. I think Absolutely. they got they got back on track. I think that there were some people there that I did not expect to be nearly as good as they were. I thought the Gallagher um, Fabian match, or Fabian Eichner. I thought that was a much better match than I ever expected it to be. Me too. I, I thought the main event. I thought they both worked really hard. Uh, Gargano. I think we all and knew Gargano, was yeah. was very good to begin with, and. It's going to be interesting to see how far, you know, some of these guys go in this tournament. What are your, th- what are your thoughts on some of these second-round matchups? you got Gallo- Gallagher versus um, Akira, Tajiri versus... Um, well, the ma- well, let's talk about the matchups next week. I think it's... Oh, my gosh. It's... I, I, I got to look. I think it's Ibushi... Oh, my And God. Alexander. It's Ibushi and Alexander. Um... And then, so let's talk about Bushin Alexander first. I mean, Corey, Jesus Christ, that could be an amazing, amazing match. Um, 
I think that, you know, and, and, and Zach Zimmerman said this too. The first round was really good. You know, it was nice to see kind of what they're doing. But now it's the second round matches where we're really going to start getting, we're really going to start getting some stuff happening. And I think Abushi Cedric Alexander is going to be absolutely phenomenal. I think it's going to be fantastic. I, I agree. I mean, I fully expect Abushi to win. I mean, I, I think there's a very good chance Abushi will be in the finals. So, I mean, even though he made his debut last week on, uh, on NXT, which was interesting. Yeah, I, I yeah I thought and I thought he and, and then the other guy was um, who lost was uh, Russell and Tommy this week, so they are starting to incorporate some of these um, cruiserweight guys. I hope Davari gets a shot, but he was fantastic. But they're starting to incorporate some of these NXT guys, um, so they can't start the cruiserweight division. Until the end of the cruiserweight classic, you would think, right? Because what you know that doesn't make sense. So, um, where I guess we're waiting until after SummerSlam, and you know, so it, it'll be really, really fascinating. And the other thing is, only having two matches next week they announced too. So, I don't know how long the matches are going to be. I don't know how, you know, how long the program's going to be. So that'll be interesting too, but. The Bushi and Cedric Alexander, I am very, very much looking forward to. I think it'll probably be, I think it's very possible that that's the best match that we have on the Cruiserweight Classic. I think it's a tremendous match. I don't know. I, I think that other second round match between uh, Zach Sabre Jr. and Drew Gulak, I think, could be really, really good too. So, I mean, I yeah, think I, be, I, I agree. I, you know, we talked about this, you know, just you and I. I have not seen Zach Sabre Jr. much, if at all. I think it was the first time I've ever seen him. My second, um, Zach Saber Jr. I wasn't, you know, incredibly impressed with him. Um, I thought he was okay, but I wasn't incredibly impressed with him. Cedric Alexander, I've watched him have amazing matches. Abushi, I've watched him have amazing matches. The Drew uh, Gulak person looked—he looked fantastic too. But I just—I don't—I don't see it being the level of that match. You know, T.J. Perkins. I don't know his second round matchup. But jo- I uh, Johnny Johnny Gugano. Yeah, I mean that match is going to be awesome as well. So that's also a contender. Uh, I'm, a big, I'm a big, big TJ Perkins fan. I have been since Ring of Honor, and um, I, I see him being in the WWE in the cruiserweight division for sure. Agreed. And I, like I said, I think this has been a good tournament. It's a ten week tournament. I think we'll see as we go along who will and won't. You know, des- I don't know if the word is deserve, but we'll really shine on the idea of where they go. I mean, I think a rich swan, you know, can still go far in this tournament. I mean, I thought Dar, uh, Noma Dar, whatever his name was. Yeah. I thought he was really good. I mean. Yeah, he was okay. That match wasn't great, but he was okay. I think he should definitely beat Ho-Ho Lun in the second round, so I see yeah. him continuing and to go surprise they gave him such they gave him such an easy matchup in the second round, too. You know, some of the second round matchups, it's like, holy crap, Cedric Alexander and Ibushi, and then you have Noah Dar going against Ho Ho Lump. Well, I guess someone had to go against Ho Ho Lump. That's fair. I mean, I, I think so, we both. So, but this is, a, this is a question I have for you, Corey. So it's 10 weeks. We just finished, what, our fourth week, right? Correct, yep. So there's six more weeks to go. I mean, didn't they say something Stephanie was saying they're going to do the cruiserweight division in the next month or so? I mean,. You would think they would wait for the cruiserweight, like we assume, to end. Do you think there's any chance they do the cruiserweight division before the cruiserweight classic ends? Um, and do you think it's a good idea? Yes and no. I mean, I think it would be interesting to get people to get an idea of who these guys are right away. But I think at the same time, it limits the idea of who you might be able to bring up for those you know, first couple of matches. I mean, from what I've heard... Zack Sabre Jr. is not going to be available until next year. He's yeah, I've heard that too. So, I mean, if a guy who a lot of people think might actually win the whole type thing isn't available to be on Raw until next year, it kind of makes it weird if you're at the face of the division isn't actually on Raw. So, I mean... I well, if he, I mean, if he wins, I mean, you know, if he wins, it doesn't mean necessarily he's the face of the division. It means he won. And you can also build in anticipation for him being there at some point. So, you know, that that's kind of a whole other thing, too. Do you think they um, add the stipulation at some point during this tournament that 
the winner of this tournament actually is the cruiserweight champion or or no? Yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting, Corey, for them to put the finals on Raw. Um, but, you know, because at that point, people would have seen these guys for weeks. You know, they're not doing that. But I do think it would have been interesting. I, I think the rollout of these guys are going to be really fascinating. They cannot just bring these guys out and just say, hey, these guys are going to flip and flop around the ring. They can't do that. They have to do what the Cruiserweight Classic has done with their stories and who these guys are and their backgrounds. I think it, it's been awesome what they've done. I thought the build-up to the Ciampa Gargano match was, was really good um, and really made that match more meaningful. And they need to do that. Just because these guys are small and cruiserweights and fly around a ring does not mean they don't need their own story. And I, I hope we get their story as they as they go into Raw. Agreed. Um, now, one thing that I found interesting as we're still on the uh, cruiserweights, what have you thought, and there's a, there's a point of this, what, what have you thought of Daniel Bryant on commentary on these shows, and what have you thought of Daniel Bryant as the GM of SmackDown? Uh, he's been fine in both. I, I mean, I've liked him on commentary because he really calls it like a shoot. I mean, he calls it like it's MMA, talking about the guy's size and this guy has an injury and this guy, you know, he he cut a lot of weight to, to uh, you know, to qualify and how that, how's, how's that going to affect his stamina. So, I mean, he calls it like a shoot. Um, so I've really enjoyed him and Ronaldo. Um, Ronaldo gets a little campy. He gets really, he gets a little corny, but I do like Ronaldo. And Brian. And I think as a GM, Brian's been fine. I mean, you basically go out there, you call, you say, you know, what, you know, this guy's wrestling this guy. You throw a little personality in. I don't think the, the GM thing is, is, is a lot of, you know, is a real intense thing. Um, unless you're obnoxious and you screw it up or whatever. So I think he's been fine as a GM. And I think as a color commentator, calling it like a shoot has been interesting. However... He won't really. He would not be able to really do that as a commentator on SmackDown if that's where you're going. Um, I don't know if that's where you're going, but he couldn't really call it like that. Um, I think you know Vince is not in their ear. I think they just kind of have the reins to just do whatever they want. Well, okay. So you knew where I was going there because I'm thinking about it, listening to him with Morrow, and I know that Morrow, at least in my opinion, makes everyone sound better and is that anchor to really make people comfortable. But listening to him and uh, Bryant, I really would, if I had the choice of either him being an on-air character on SmackDown or being the being the announcer on SmackDown, I'd much rather him as, as an announcer on SmackDown. Yeah, but Corey, you got to also take into account. And so we talked about Saxon last week. Okay. Um, the one thing I think we can both agree on is Otunga's not good at all. Agreed. Um, and, I, and so I, I think he struggled this week. But, you know, Corey, I think part of it is... Vince is in these guys' ear. I think if he's in Bryant's ear telling him what to say, I, I think Bryant would – there's a good chance he would really struggle, at least initially. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I think that's it. I think he can call this – you know, he can he can call it like a shoot in the Cruiserweight Classic. So it's – I don't want to say easy to do, but it's easier to do than it would be for SmackDown. So – I understand what you're saying completely, and it, he might be better as an announcer than as a GM, but I'm okay with him being a GM. Uh, they can get someone better than Otunga, but maybe Otunga can improve. I mean, who the hell knows? But the, the announcing didn't drive me crazy. And I think that's the one thing that I like both announced teams. Neither one of them drove me crazy. Because JBL, I think, can't bury Otunga because he's a former wrestler and he's still pretty a big guy or whatever. So at least it's not like JBL is just kind of calling the action. He's not, you know, burying guys or, 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 or that sort of thing. So, and then Ronaldo's good. So I think both broadcast teams are okay and don't annoy me, but I do think Otunga needs to improve. I'd agree on that. Um, I guess last thing on, on mine today, uh, Jay, I know you don't, you don't get the channel, so you can't see it, but I think it's going to be interesting tonight to see what TNA does with the Bound for Glory uh, finals between Michael Bennett and uh, EC3. I think that's I think that's one of the things they've done right lately. 
they've kept this simple. Like I think they all say. When is Bound for Glory recording? October. So they're doing it now, but then so whoever wins this gets a title shot in October. And Bound for Glory, so they're gonna hopefully with all that time, they'll have time to build and do good storytelling. So I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that the last couple of years, the way that they've done these Bound for Glory series have been so complicated. This has just been simple. I think it's like an eight-man tournament. Finals is tonight. I'm expecting EC3 to win because of the stuff they've done since they've been on Pop TV of the... Every once in a while, you have these interactions between EC3 and Bobby Lashley. But I think that that's a good direction to go. And it'll be interesting to see where they go. So, I mean, I'll be interested to see what happens with that tonight. Um, And to see where a lot of other things... I mean, I thought the thing that they did with uh, the... The, revealing the past of Rosemary with the vignettes, I think. Who the hell is Rosemary? See, it, it, I, I'm so out on this court. Yeah, you just take it. I don't know who any of these people. I don't know who Rosemary is. Okay, uh, she. Well, she was on. Uh, I think she was on the Tough Enough show, but she's been a character with uh, Crazy Steve and Abyss. She's very, very, very good on the mic. She's and she's like one of those weirder characters. But I think since they've done the Broken Matt Hardy storyline with, you know, final deletion and everything else, I think it's allowed them to go and be more creative on putting different things on the air that before the final deletion uh, skits, I think these would have just been thought of as typical TNA, you know, crap. But I think they've kind of gone to a little bit of a groove of telling interesting storytelling and interesting packages. Of course, you could say it's ripping off of Lucha Underground what they do in their backstage segments, but... At least they're doing stuff that's interesting right now, so I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? So, you know, doing some type of imitation thing or, or copying which underground is okay mm-hmm. as long as you do it well. Who cares? I mean, who cares if you're if you're stealing stuff? That's what wrestling is. That's what business is. That's what we do. We Absolutely. take ideas and we we take uh, sometimes others' ideas and we try to improve on the ideas. So. I think that's okay, as long as they do it well, which it sounds like they are. And I guess the last thing I want you to talk about this week before we get into plugs and everything is I heard about this a couple of weeks ago right after the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view. That there was this big angle that they had done at the end of, uh, of the tapings involving Jay Lethal and the Bullet Club. I heard it's something that was really well done. I Like I said, I don't have Comet TV or Sinclair, so... I won't be able to see it on the website for another day or two. But, Jay, how did uh, what did they do and how did it come off? Yeah, so um, it, it started last week, really, or it's been started for a while. When uh, Adam Cole joined the Bullet Club, he's Baby. basically the leader of the Bullet Club. Adam Cole, Baby. He's basically the leader of the Bullet Club. And it started many weeks ago when Bullet Club attacked Colt Cabana and Jay Lethal when Jay Lethal was fighting Cabana for the title. O'Reilly was going against Lethal last week. Um, Cole came out, beat the hell out of O'Reilly before the match, injured his shoulder. O'Reilly ended up facing Lethal in what was a tremendous, tremendous match. And I, I advise everyone to go back and watch it. The storytelling it was a tremendous match. Then uh, uh, Nigel McGuinness tells Cole, you'll never, be cha- you'll never fight for the Ring of Honor title as long as I'm the matchmaker or whatever. And so they have a six-man tag this week with the Bullet Club against the Briscoes and Jay Lethal. And after the match in which Jay Lethal and the Briscoes won, uh, the Bullet Club attacked Lethal and shaved his head. Um, you know, basically, Cole is essentially forcing his way into the title picture by beating up on Lethal and beating up on O'Reilly. He's, he's making them so mad that they're going to have no choice but to put him in a match for the Ring of Honor world title. And I thought it was good. I thought it was well done. Um, I, I thought, you know, I thought um, Kevin Kelly did a good job. You know, he would say, I can't believe they're doing this. This is too much. The one thing I would like to see with Ring of Honor, and I, and I think they, the Bullet Club did establish themselves more as heels. I think, though, the Bullet Club and the Young Bucks are like this, too. You know me. I, I like the Young Bucks. I don't love them as much as everyone else does. But I do like them a lot. I think what the Young Bucks have to kind of transition is from being the cool heels, the NWO heels, to actual heels. Um, 
and even Adam Cole saying Adam Cole Bay Bay, you know, when the fans are into it, I think they need to kind of transition to actual these heels who are just these assholes. They, they need to go to that level. And I think what they did against Lethal definitely helped that. Um, but it was it was a good angle. It was good. Um, definitely people should check it out if they can. Um, uh, you know, really show Cole as like a dastardly heel and, you know, forcing his way into the title picture. And uh, that's going to be part of that uh, SummerSlam weekend on that Friday night. Uh, I believe it's August 19th. They'll have Death Before Dishonor, Adam Cole versus Jay Lethal. So that match. Where is be- that going to be at? Is that local? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Because I think they're doing Brooklyn the next week. Yes. I think they've changed it. Right. Field of Honor is the following weekend. That's smart. But uh, from everything I heard, that was really came off well. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I'll be sure to watch that when it comes on ROHwrestling.com. So cheap plug for their website. Um, but, Jay, I think we covered a lot of cool stuff. It looks like WWE is going in the right direction. Brand split's going to be a big subject on the show for a while. Like every week, I'm sure, we'll be comparing the two shows. You brought up good point, the idea of two hours versus three. SmackDown might have a chance to be at least seem like the better show because of the length of time, but Jay, if people want to hear more of your and my opinions on this, not on this show, I bet you let them know how they can follow us, you know, Twitter and all the other great outlets we have. Uh, before I do that, I just want to talk G1 really, really quick. New Japan, G1 Climax. Um, I've been watching, you know, at least I haven't watched every every night, um, but I try to watch a match or two. The, 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 a couple of nights ago, if you guys have a chance, Shibata went against Naito, and Omega went against Michael Elgin in the same night. Um, those two matches were absolutely unbelievable. Um, and then they had Shibata lose the next night or two nights later, which is ridiculous. But anyway, I implore everyone to go and try to watch those matches, however you watch your matches, legal or illegal. Uh, Omega against Elgin and Shibata against Naito. Very, very, very good match. Jay, I agree with what you said earlier, you know, in regards with, like, um, Tanahashi on how they built that story. Really enjoying the matches this year. I thought Naito and Shibata was, I don't know if it was on the level of past year G1 matches, but I really thought they did a good job with the storytelling. I think that there's, I think Naito still wins the wins this whole entire tournament and gets his rematch at the, at the big show of the, uh, the year at the Tokyo Dome in January, but I would not be surprised if Shibata versus Naito face each other again for the Never title before um, Wrestle Kingdom, I believe, it will be 11. So, I mean, I think they've done a lot of things. Well, I think the storytelling has been good. Stuff they're doing with Tenzan has been good with his final G1 appearances. And they told a good story with basically if Tanah- Tanahashi loses again, points-wise, he might not he might be eliminated from the tournament. So, I mean, I think they've done a lot of good stuff. We still have the final couple of shows at the end, which will have American commentary. I think the final three nights of the tournament this year will have commentary, so that'll be cool. Here, Kevin Kelly and uh, Steve Carino. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of good things to lead up to that. And, uh, Jay, we'll, we'll both continue watching the G1, and we'll most likely have a little bit more comments next week when we do this show. But, Jay, let us uh, let us know how people can go and, you know, become contact with the show. Absolutely. So, Corey and I are on Twitter, at WorkedShootPod and at Paladin808. Uh, you can go to our, uh, our website, www.blogtalkradio.com backslash WorkedShootPodcast. We are on Facebook in two different spots. We have a page um, and then, like, a, a group, basically. Just type in the WorkShoot Wrestling Podcast on Facebook, and you can get both. Our group is a lot more interactive. We, we talk to the listeners. Listeners talk to us about different things in wrestling. So to really uh, ask everyone to go to that if they can. Uh, also, we are on Stitcher and iTunes. On iTunes, we are the Work Shoot Podcast. Please leave a review, subscribe. On Stitcher, we are the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. And just add us to our favorites so you don't miss an episode. Very cool. And speaking of the Facebook page... Uh, one of the articles that we put up this past week was SI put up uh, ranking the top 101 wrestlers of all time, and we had 
couple of comments on that with the idea that Miz was on that list altogether and idea of, you know, Hulk Hogan being number eight, a couple other interesting things. So that's one of the many things that we talk about each week. We find interesting articles around the web and we try to get a conversation going. So, I mean, keep up the great work with uh, everyone with the Facebook page. I think it's really good conversations and it'll be interesting what the big conversation this week will be. And maybe if we have time, we'll talk about it on the show. But uh, Jay, like always, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, this week's episode was a little different to say the least. Um, wasn't always the smoothest with some stuff going on, but uh, always good having you. And I guess final words for this week. I uh, wanted to send a couple of quick birthday, sh- as they would say, shout outs. You know, we're in the morning zoo show of the internet right now. Um, Jason Powell, ProWrestling.net. Birthdays today. Um, Henry Maldonado, who has been on the show. His birthday's tomorrow. By the time we do our next podcast, I'm guessing both uh, Jason and myself will have celebrated a birthday. So the August birthdays continue. So if I don't get a chance to speak to you, which I'm sure I will, but happy uh, happy early birthday, Jay. And um, hope you have a good time celebrating it. Yep. Happy birthday to you, too. Your birthday's coming up as well pretty shortly here. So, yeah, happy birthday to you as well. And... Uh, yep. Oh, Go ahead, and we will continue to try, you know, once a month, successfully or unsuccessfully, uh, try to release, you know, one live show on blogtalkradio.com. Um, so we'll most likely try to do one, mostly like the first week in September or somewhere in that range. We'll try to do another live show. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Jay, uh, the floor is yours. I think we're done here. See ya.